Good morning, y'all. Hey, welcome. Uh, For those online, uh, welcome. We're glad that you are joining us. We do get to do something uh, a little unique over the next few weeks. You're going to get to hear from uh, some of the pastors that don't normally uh, come up here and get to preach. So that's pretty exciting and fun. I'm really looking forward to hearing from uh, Pastor Ricky, who's going to preach next week, and then uh, Pastor John, who's going to be preaching later on in the month of November, because we haven't heard them preach before, and they're newbies. So definitely uh, come um, and support the pastors who get to preach um, uh, this series. The series, as uh, Pastor Doyle was talking about while he was up here leading us in prayer, is from uh, my heart or from the heart. And we have been asked to uh, to share something that God has specifically uh, impressed on us. And so when Pastor Ed kind of laid this idea out for us, I could not stop thinking about this quote from Martin Luther. Let me read it to you. He said this, I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. I'm going to say this one more time. I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. Now, that's kind of an impressive feat of three hours in prayer. I doubt uh, that any of us are that holy to spend three hours in prayer a day. Maybe you are. That is so awesome. Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, he did not have an iPhone to distract him. So I, you know, I'm sure that he could do that. But here is what hit me about this quote. It really spoke to how busyness impacts and takes away from my prayer life. I feel as though I have so much to do, I need to get out and do it not stop and commune and talk to and spend time with my father. And this conflict has sort of hit me and God has impressed it heavily on my heart. And I'm like, I want to share something about prayer with our church today. So in doing that, uh, I looked uh, in scripture, I found Luke chapter uh, 11. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 11 today, verses 1 through 13. Prayer church is communicating with God. Prayer is how we seek and rely on God. Prayer is essential for a Christian uh, in being in close relationship with God. So I hope today to just offer you something very practical and encouraging when it comes to praying. But let's read the passage together, Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey And I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, 
and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So here in this uh, little tell or retelling of Jesus's life from the, uh, the gospel of Luke, one of Jesus's disciples, having observed Jesus pray, and Jesus prayed a lot, it's especially emphasized in Luke, he asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And I don't want us to miss this because it helps us to understand really what the whole passage means. This disciple is asking Jesus to give them a community prayer, right? a prayer that, that they can all pray, that they can all share in, something that's specific, but to the whole group. See, during this time, it was very common for teachers, for rabbis, for whoever had a little bit of a following to have their, pray, their, their groups identified by what they prayed. So it was with these disciples in asking this of Jesus, give us something, Jesus, to pray that identifies us, that marks us as one of your own. This is a Christian prayer then, right? This is a prayer then that could be prayed by all Christians, regardless of when you have lived, regardless of what culture you're from. The things in this prayer express the things that all Christians should express to God. So in response to this, the disciples asking, Jesus teaches them three critical truths about prayer, okay? And these are how and what to pray. There are attitude in prayer. And really, it's a reminder of who we are praying to. I'm going to come back and touch on each one of those things that Jesus is teaching. But I want us to understand, praying in this way, it helps us to rely on God, and it brings us closer in our relationship to him as Christians. All Christians can be identified and can pray this prayer because all Christians have a common unity and goal, right? All Christians, no matter when they lived, no matter where they lived, no matter who they are, we have a common unity and goal. And that common goal is to see God glorified above all things, right? This is our goal as Christians, seeing God glorified above all things. And God is glorified above all things when he is relied on and followed in all things. For, for Christians, everything you do now can glorify God. Every action and thought is a kingdom action and thought. Everything goes back to this now, if you are in Christ. I want to be church as emphatic and direct as I can be here. We are part of something that is bigger than us. God has invited us in to grow his kingdom with him. Church, we have been invited in to a full-on attack of the gates of hell. And we cannot do this apart from full reliance on God by seeking him in prayer. Church, we need to pound the doors of heaven pray constantly to God, to wreck the gates of hell, see him glorified above all things. How do we do this? What is Jesus teaching us? The first thing he's teaching is this. Pack your prayer. 
Pack Your Prayer, capital P-A-C-K, Your Prayer. This first truth is about how and what to pray. Jesus lays out this, this structure that we can use to seek and rely on and grow closer to God in prayer. It's a plan of communication with God. Anybody who's ever had a relationship knows how important communication is. And guess what? Every single one of us have some type of relationship, whether that's a husband, wife, or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or even siblings or parent, child. Every single one of these kind of relationships are very dependent on good communication. We communicate well, things are smooth, things are going good. We don't communicate well, there is strife and tension, conflict and difficulty. Good communication matters, all right? The other week, Megan uh, was cooking something brand new. We hadn't had it before. She's like, babe, I want you to try this, all right? But I only want to hear about it if you're excited about it and you like it. And I thought, babe, if you could... If you could tell me what you want to hear before we have any conversation, that would dramatically impact, you know, our relationship, okay? A little plan of communication. Do you feel me? Jesus is giving us a plan of communication with God. So I put together this little acronym to help us remember what Jesus wants us to pray about. The P stands for praise, The P stands for praise. Father, hallowed be your name. Now, I'm going to come back later to Father, but our prayers are supposed to praise God. The word hallowed means to set apart uh, as holy. It means to revere. It means, church, to find worth and give the respect due to the unique and perfect awesomeness of God. Praise expresses verbally what we think and feel about God. Pound the door of heaven with praise. Pound the door of heaven with praise. When we praise, we are wrecking the gates of hell. Hell hates for God to be praised. Praise him. And it's not just our praising of God, but an asking that God saves more people to praise him. The A stands for ask. The A stands for There are two things Jesus instructs all disciples, all Christians to pray for, to ask. Your kingdom come and our daily bread. Let's talk about your kingdom come. In the book of Matthew, we see the same prayer taught by Jesus. But in the book of Matthew, uh, it's a little bit expanded upon. There's a few other phrases that he puts in to help us understand and explain it. One of them modifies your kingdom come. It says, your will be done. Your will be done. So we can understand the coming of God's kingdom as his will, as what he wants being done in our lives and in the world. A lot of times uh, we think about God's will as this mysterious thing that I need to try to figure out for my life. And if I can just get myself in God's will and do what he wants for my life, then things will go well with me, all right? This mystery that I have to figure out. There is a part of God's will that is a mystery, right? But it's just that. It is a mystery, right? We will not understand every little nuance of sovereignty that God is displaying as he controls all that happens and all that we do. However, God has revealed much of his will in his word. 
So we can go to his word to see the kind of will, to see the kind of kingdom that we want to come as we are talking to him. Let me give you some examples of where the Bible talks about God's will. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. God's kingdom come, his will is your sanctification, is your becoming more and more like Christ, is your growing in maturity in your Christian walk. Another example, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God's kingdom come, his will Bear the fruits of joy and thanksgiving in all circumstances. I'll give you one more. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Not wishing that any should perish. 2 Peter 3, 9. God's kingdom come, his will, the salvation of people. Pray these things. Pray this kingdom come. As the kingdom comes in your life, your sanctification, so it will come in the world. You'll see more and more people saved. Pound the doors of heaven to wreck the gates of hell. We are also taught to pray for our daily bread, that God will provide the things that we need to live. It's good to ask God for our needs, but notice something. It says, bread and not dessert, all right? I like dessert. Dessert is good, all right? But what Jesus is saying is we're not, we're not praying for excessive material things, but rather we're praying to find contentment in God's meeting of our provisional needs, right? our daily bread. And then not just our physical needs, but also our greatest spiritual need, and that is forgiveness of sin. So the C in PAC stands for confess. The C in PAC stands for confess. Something that all Christians must pray about is their sin. We should confess in prayer our sins to God. When we confess sins to God, we are acknowledging that what we have done is wrong, and we are asking that he change us. And church, confession is not something that happens one time upon salvation. Right? Confession is an ongoing thing because we battle sin in an ongoing way. Every part of this prayer is actually an ongoing, continuous thing. We should always, and we can always pray this prayer. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Pound the doors of heaven to wreck the gates of hell. K is for keep. The K in PAC stands for keep. Something for all Christians at all times and all places is a need, need for God's protection. And I'm not talking about a, a physical protection, but protection against anything that would lead us into sin, that would be against God's will, that would lack in re, uh, revering God's name. This prayer recognizes that there will be a, there will be a trial, there will be a test, there will be these things that come in lives, but it says, God, hold me fast in this trial. God, keep me far 
from sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When we endure the trial, the gates of hell are being wrecked, but it will not be endured without prayer. Now, I realize that many of us want to add an S to the end of this pack and make it packs so that the S can stand for sports and we can pray for our teams to win. But Jesus doesn't say that, okay? So every time you pray for you know, your team to win, somebody else is also praying for their team to win and they cancel each other out. So I'm, I'm kidding. Anyway, pack your prayer. Pack your prayer. Jesus goes on to teach more than just how to pray and, and what to pray for. He then tells this short parable, this little story to convey the two other truths about prayer. And in this story, he puts the disciples in the position of having to go to a friend late at night with a need. And for this friend that they go to, it's very inconvenient that someone is pounding on his door and asking him for something. How many of us have, have put that sign up on our door, do not knock, do not ring the doorbell, don't even breathe at my door, capital letters, sleeping baby, right? If you're a parent, you know what I mean. Go away, Amazon, okay? The kid's asleep. Just leave the package. So this guy, he gets up ever so quietly. He whispers out the window. I can see him, go away. You're gonna wake my kids. Jesus says, it is not because of the friendship that the need will be met, but because of the, and the ESV uses a really weird word, impudence, the impudence of you that he's going to answer you and give you what you need. The second truth is that we are to be persistent and shameless in prayer. Be persistent and shameless in prayer. This is our attitude in praying. That word, impudence, that we see in verse 8, in the New International Version, it's shameless audacity. In the New Living Translation, it is shameless persistence. In the Christian Standard Bible, it is shameless boldness. Jesus teaches us to pray with a shameless persistence when we pray that God's name is revered. And when we pray that God's kingdom expands in the lives of us and, and the world, and when we pray that our needs are met, and when we pray confessing sin, and when we pray for spiritual protection, we should constantly church and always be praying these things in a shameless way as though we haven't already prayed them a thousand times. Jesus explains this point of the parable in verses 9 and 10 this persistent, shameless prayer. He says, ask, seek, knock. And I want you to understand these verbs here. It is saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on, keep on doing it constantly. Church, there is no room for us not to pray like this. We need these prayers this persistent prayer is what we see in the early church. In the first chapter of Acts, also written by the author of Luke, Luke, in the first chapter of Acts, uh, he describes how Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And here are the disciples 
and they're kind of waiting for what's next. And this is what Acts 1.14 says. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. They all, all the followers of Christ, were in agreement with one mind, one accord, on what they were praying. And they were devoted, shamelessly persistent in this prayer. It's what the church was doing then, 2,000 years ago. It's what the church needs to do now, shamelessly persistent. My kids are shamelessly persistent in asking for anything they want. Can we have a snack? Dad, can we have a snack, Dad? Dad, Dad, a snack? A snack? A snack? Can we watch TV, Dad? Dad, can we watch a movie? Dad, can you put a movie on? Movie, 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 Pokemon? Phineas and Ferb, Dad? Dad? Movie? Can we play, Dad? Dad, can we play? Dad, let's play. Can we play, Dad? Dad, let's play. Let's play. Never does it cross their minds. We need to stop this because we're irritating Dad. Okay? I don't think that. They're shameless. They ain't worried about that, all right? We could be shameless too when we go to our Father in this way. When we go to God praying over these things that Jesus taught us to pray about, shameless persistence. We're not annoying or frustrating God. We're pounding the doors of heaven to wreck the gates of hell. We are praying for exactly what he has instructed us to pray for. And he's going to answer these things but we need to pray for these things, which leads us to this last truth that Jesus is teaching us. God is not bothered by our shameless persistence because of his relationship to us. It comes back to that title, which Jesus taught his followers, his disciples, all Christians to call God, and that is the title Father. In the Aramaic language that they would have spoken is Abba. And this was something that was remarkably unique for them to be able to address God with. Throughout the Old Testament, we only see God mentioned as Father 15 times, never in prayer, never in personal relationship, really only as like the head of the nation of Israel. This is unique. Something has changed in the relationship of these people with God. He is now their Father. He just elaborates on how much this does mean to us. He says, expect your father to give a good answer. Expect your father to give a good answer. That third truth is a reminder. This is who you're talking to. It's your father. I want you to see something in the text that Jesus has done here in telling the story. He has moved, guys, from from the lesser to the greater. He has moved from that lesser friend relationship that he talked about in the parable to the greater father relationship as he is concluding this. Notice in the story, he said friend like five times. What he is saying is that if a friend will answer your shameless persistence, how much more is your father going to answer with something good? Jesus gives the analogy of an earthly father who wants to give something good to his kids. A child doesn't ask for a fish and you give him a snake. He doesn't ask for an egg and you hand him a scorpion. That would be exceedingly cruel. He says, if you earthly fathers 
will do this, even though you do not come close to the goodness and perfection of the heavenly father, how much more will God, the heavenly father, answer us with good? Jesus also taught on prayer in Mark chapter 11. He said, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We can confidently believe that we have received it because of what our relationship is with who we're talking to. He is our father. Years ago, Megan and I, we lived in Winter Garden. We just had our firstborn child, Declan. He was about two months old, and he got sick and uh, was throwing up, and he threw up on me. It was wonderful, Uh, but I stayed home I stayed home from work that day to keep him and watch him. And I was feeling fine. But as the day went on, I wasn't feeling so fine. And something started to happen inside of me that I hadn't experienced before. It was not good. By that night, I was laying in bed, sweating. The room was spinning. For me to stand up would have been for me to to throw up. So I wasn't about to get out of bed. Thankfully, Declan was fast asleep. A little while later, Megan walks in, Chad, I don't feel so good. Within an hour, she's laying next to me. We're in bed. We're in a bad way. We have a two-month-old child. We can't even stand up. How are we going to care for this two-month-old child? It's like midnight. I call my dad. I was like, Dad, you got to come get this kid. You got to come get this kid. Uh, We are sick. We know feel good. Please come get him. And my dad and my mom, they drove from Auburndale to Winter Garden an hour at like 1 a.m. and picked up Declan and took him back and kept him for two days, right? Because they were cared, they cared, they were concerned over the situation. How much more, how much more will the Heavenly Father care for us? When we are praying this prayer that reveres and desires the reverence of God that asks for his work to be done in our lives and in others, that requests the meeting of our needs, that is confessing sin, that is asking for spiritual protection, God will answer us with something good. And Jesus tells us in verse 13 what, or rather I should say, who that good is. It's the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, church, accomplishes the kingdom coming in your life. Your genuine praise of God is fueled by the spirit living inside of you. That work of sanctification as you mature and grow in your Christianity is done by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. That conviction of sin that leads you into confession and brings you closer in relationship to your father That is done by the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Pastor Chad, you say, I don't feel this kind of power of the Holy Spirit inside of me. Ask, seek, knock. If you're not praying, you will not. You will not feel that. Church, if if we are engaged with God, our Father, in this kind of prayer, and we are doing it collectively, oh, we will see God do incredible, incredible things, incredible things in our lives. As we both confess sin and we ask to be changed and sanctified, church, pray this, pray this. We'll see incredible things in our jobs, 
and in our schools, as our friends see the change in us, they see God in us. Church, pray for this. Pray for this. Incredible things in our homes. As we seek God before we ever have that hard conversation with our spouse, and we seek God before we ever go to discipline our kids. Church, pray this. Pray for this. We'll see incredible things in our church as we watch the kingdom grow and the numbers of salvations that happen. Church, pray for this. Ask God for this. Pound the doors of heaven to wreck the gates of hell. Listen, I'm, I, I really i am asking y'all, y'all who, who know God and you who pray, that you go home. That maybe as a family or, or if you live by yourself, great. That you read through Luke 11. That it affects your heart in some way. And that you begin to pray it. Persistently, shamelessly asking God. If we're doing that together, watch out. That, that excites me. Because I know what God will do. What God our Father will do when his church prays in this way. And guys, I want to see that happen. I, I am glad that I can talk to God as my father. And I am glad that I can expect good things from him because he loves me as his child. I can talk to God as a father because I have a relationship with his son, Jesus. I know Jesus Christ. I know that Jesus Christ, and I believe that Jesus Christ died for me on a cross. I know Jesus Christ, and I believe that Jesus Christ raised again three days later and lives. I know that Jesus Christ has authority over all things. I know this, and I believe this. And in believing this, I have a relationship with God. I've been restored to that. You can too, guys. You can too. Ask. Seek. Knock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good. And we thank you for what you have done and what we know that you're going to do. And now, God, I pray that you convict us that we will be champions and warriors of prayer, that we will have a shameless persistence as we talk to you as a church, as a community that is committed to seeing your kingdom come, Lord. Set your Holy Spirit on us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.